Oh, thank you all for tuning in to the 346th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting ever platform you may be listening to me via, being a court for Buffalo, New York, as always, at 11.22 p.m. Eastern Time. You're going to have a great pop for all you guys. going to have my friend Ben Karen, host of the Sports Crowder Podcast on the show to preview and predict week seven of NFL of NFL action and week eight of college football action. We're also gonna kinda talk about some big stories with college football. I got a lot of stuff I want to talk to Ben about. We'll also get into some NFL uh, stories as well and talk a little bit about the Thursday night game, Cleveland Browns versus Denver Broncos. Now before we get to that, gotta give my shameless plug. First of all, check on the timestamps below. Check on the timestamps and it will go automatically to that part of the podcast if you particularly want to listen to the college football, college football picks, uh, NFL, NFL picks, whatever part of the podcast you want to listen to. So check on the description below and get those timestamps. I know they're on Spotify for sure. You just click on them. They're on Google Podcasts, Apple, and everything as well. It's just you actually have to click on it, uh, you know, on the little arrow bar, right, as you're listening to the program. But uh, just for some food for thought right there. But First-time listener, subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Subscribe to my YouTube channel as well, Daryl Lynn. I post three five-minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop. I'm going to be giving gambling advice for the Friday show tomorrow. So if you want to check on the over, the under, uh, who I have winning the spread, who I have covering, who I don't have covering, QB prop bets, Check out, that will be on the YouTube channel, uh, outside the shop, type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. Follow me on Twitter as well, at NightTrain underscore Lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, then give me five, five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? if you don't like the podcast, then it's fine. But don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Ben Karen on, host of the Sports Wilder Podcast. Coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Ben Karen. He's a dad. He's a brother. He's a son. He's a school psychologist. Host of the Sports Squabbler podcast. Man of many titles, a doctor. How you doing, Ben? I am doing absolutely amazing. So the first thing I have to ask you is this. So 
The Browns and Broncos play on Thursday Night Football. Baker does not play. Uh, dealing with a bad shoulder injury, apparently it's going to require Baker to have surgery in the offseason, though I think possibly he could have surgery sooner than that. Uh, and if he does, then his season is over. How do you think that's all going to materialize? That's a great question at this point in time. If I had to make my best guess on what I think is going to happen, I think the Browns are going to shut him down for the season, and I think they're going to try to defer for another year making a decision on whether to pay him long term. Really? Okay. Do you think that could cause issues with Baker and the Browns organization? Because I'm sure Baker wants his money now. And I'm sure that's also why he wants to play, because he wants to prove himself. I don't think it's going to cause as many issues as people think, especially if the reason why he's not playing is because he needs his surgery due to his injury. I think there will be some mountain pressure, but I would not see it being anywhere near the level that we saw with guys like Dak Prescott and his situation in Dallas for the Cowboys. With if the Bronco if the Browns right, they shut down Baker and they go with Case Keenum, what do you think the ceiling of the team is? starting quarterback they're essentially eliminated from making the AFC uh, championship game now, now Ben I will remind you Case Keenum, Case Keenum did take the Minnesota Vikings to an NFC championship game he did do that but I just feel like the AFC is even stronger uh, than the NFC was that year and they needed the Minnesota Miracle to do that, by the way. I also do want to put that out there. With Stefan Diggs. I believe Stefan Diggs actually caught that touchdown pass, now that I think about it. Which is pretty ironic. But I also do think of this, right? So Chubb's out. Uh, Kareem Hunt's going to be out for a while. Uh, and I'm looking at this right now. Uh, they, they, they get 100 yards from some dude I've never heard of, which is, you know, Denernest Johnson, uh, who I have actually never heard of before uh, today, uh, has 22 carries for 146 yards, 6.6 yards uh, per carry. Uh, Demetrius Felton, he gets in there, he runs the ball a little bit. You probably know him. Uh, he was, was from UCLA. Uh, even if Kareem Hunt doesn't come back, and they just go with Chubb. Do you think this running game, they're, they're going to be able to replicate it no matter who plays at running back? I think for the most part that they'll be able to do that. We obviously know that they have Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside. And that's going to always be a threat that defenses are going to have to respect. I believe Bjarne Johnson is probably a little bit better than people think. And you put me on record for that. He is too, Daryl, um, from a little guy school, USF. Um, but I think it's highly impressive that he rushed for almost 150 yards in a touchdown tonight. I think his first ever career start. 
Now I want to go to the Broncos. So, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, this wasn't, you know, mediocre-ish game. Uh, throwing for under 200 yards, pick. Nothing spectacular. The Broncos, they really can't generate big plays. I, I kind of think of their offense as like, you know, they're just waiting to die as opposed to trying to survive, if that makes sense, which is not a very, you know, good way to go. But th- that's kind of how it is watching this Broncos offense. Do you think they should bring Drew Locke in now and give him a chance? That actually very interesting with Aaron Rodgers to Denver. How about this? Because you've mentioned this before, and I do want to know this. Are you still in favor of Peyton Manning being a head coach? Absolutely. I think he'd be a great head coach. Why do you think that again? He's one of the most cerebral quarterbacks that I've ever seen play the game of football. I think he definitely is master of the quarterback position. I think he knows defense real well, how to break down defenses, how to find the holes in defenses. And I think he's a, a guy that a lot of people look up to. I think he has the personality that people gravitate towards. I could see how one would say that. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be a head coach personally, but I do think it actually is interesting because I would, would agree with you, right? Like, Peyton Manning is in a rare situation where when he played, he was legitimately the offensive coordinator, which I don't think you can say that for most quarterbacks. Like, I don't think Brady, smart as Brady is, as much as Brady does at the line, Brady was never really, and he's still not, he's not the offensive coordinator. Aaron Rodgers isn't the offensive coordinator. Peyton Manning was quite literally the offensive coordinator. Because usually it's like there's the quarterback, there's the offensive coordinator who's calling the plays. And then the quarterback is kind of the sounding board, and maybe they're giving him some ideas of, I like this, I don't, where it was the opposite. Payton's the one who's making the offensive game plan. And the offensive coordinator's like, okay, yeah, let me put my input into what you're making. Yeah, I and mean, we would see that just almost every game, Daryl, where he's uh, making decisions at the line of scrimmage for his team after he sees the defense. So, Derrick Henry uh, destroyed my Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. And, Ben, you asked the question on Facebook, should Derrick Henry be MVP? So, what do you think, Ben? Derrick Henry MVP. And there's a lot of, in the quarterback league, by the way, quarterback league. Kyler Murray's playing well. Josh Allen before, you know, the loss. Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes is always in the mix. Your guy, Tom Brady. Derrick Henry for MVP? chance to win every week than, than Derrick Henry. 
Derrick Henry is literally a one-man wrecking crew. He's like a boulder going down the side of a cliff when he runs. And he's taken what, in my opinion, would otherwise be a pretty mediocre football team in the Tennessee Titans and has put them on a pedestal where they're able to compete against anybody on any given weekend, including what we happen to see um, when your Buffalo Bills fell victim to him on Monday night. And you know my Seattle Seahawks have already fallen victim to him in week one of the season. And he's just somebody you're not going to want to tackle. I mean, you're just not going to want to tackle. Uh, and, and as he, you know, as the game goes on, it seems he gets stronger in the defense. All these guys on the defense are like, uh, I'm getting tired of tackling the big 6'3", 250-pound monster that just keeps running at us and running at us and running at us. Have you ever seen a non-quarterback make this type of impact in your time watching football? Oh, yes. I, I would say there, there were a few times in, 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 you know, probably about once a generation or so. Guys I can think of that were making that kind of impact for the wide receiver position, you know, Randy Moss. I think he's just so special. He can just do things athletically that nobody else could do. You know, you saw, they've probably seen that highlight reel where he's catching a ball one-handed over Darrell Revis. And then, of course, we have Rob Gronkowski when he was in his prime. Now, the opposing teams couldn't do anything against Rob Gronkowski. It's huge. And it created mismatches all over the field. And I think this is what we're seeing only in running back form with Derrick Henry. How would you compare Derrick Henry to Adrian Peterson? Well, I think um, the similarity is they're both very dominant running backs that are very durable. I think the difference lies with Derrick Henry simply being a wrecking ball. He's got some speed, but I think I like Adrian Peterson's speed a little bit more. I think Adrian Peterson a little bit better catching the ball out of the backfield. But when you look at Adrian Peterson, he doesn't wear defenses down the same way that Derrick Henry can. That's very true. Now, as a Seattle Seahawks fan, you got to witness a pretty good power back in Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, Skittles. How does Derrick Henry compare to him? Well, now that's a guy that I think is very similar to Derrick Henry. Obviously, I think that Derrick Henry is maybe a more souped-up version of Marshawn Lynch. When you look at Derrick Henry, he seems to have more speed to him than Marshawn Lynch had. So now I want to go to this. QBs that potentially, right, potentially uh, could uh, be on the market in the offseason. I just want uh, I want you to rank them for me. I'm going to give you five names. Uh, Matt Carell, Malik Willis, who's from Liberty, I believe. Both are going to be high draft picks. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. If you're a team in the NFL, Ben, 
which one of those guys would you want from one to two to three to four to five? Okay, go ahead and say them one more time for me. Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. Matt Corral. Yeah, Matt Corral number five. And also, really quickly, Deshaun Watson. It looks like he could potentially go into the be uh, be going to the Dolphins. Do you think that deal is actually going to happen? Do you think Deshaun Watson we're actually going to see him play this year? Because if a team's trading for him, he's going to play. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we are going to preview week seven of NFL action. Kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Sports Talk. We still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Grounder Podcast, and we are going to be previewing week seven of the NFL season, and let's start with this Carolina 
at the New York Football Giants. Ben, who you got? I'll go with Carolina, Daryl. They have to break this three-game losing skid, and there's no better team for them to be playing than the New York Giants. I think it's going to be ugly. I think both quarterbacks probably throw a couple interceptions. But the Panthers, uh, just on pure talent, find a way to beat the Giants close. I'll go Carolina 26, New York 23. I'll agree with you. I'll say Panthers 17, Giants 14. I'll be honest. I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants found a way to win this game. This is a sneaky trap game. But the Panthers are just such a a much more talented team. This shouldn't be the case. Just that when you have bad quarterback play like the Panthers do, it just muckies up the waters when you have the better team. Uh, but I'll still go with Carolina. Next, we have the New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Can the Jets get some revenge? No, Bill Belichick against rookie quarterback is pretty much a long. I think Mac Jones will have the better game. I think Bill Belichick finds a way to pro- provide some problems to Zach Wilson. I'll go uh, Patriots 24, Jets 14. I will go New England 14, Jets 9. I think this is going to be closer. I think the Jets' defense is a little bit better than also people give it credit for. I just don't have faith in the Jets' ability to score on New England uh, and get in the end zone. Uh, but I'll go with New England in a close 14-9 game. Next, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans coming off a big win. Who you got, Ben? I'm going to say Chiefs 31, Titans, I'll say they get to 30. I'll say 31 to 30. I think it's going to be a close, relatively high-scoring game, a lot of yards. I just still don't have faith in the Tennessee Titans, even though they did beat the Buffalo Bills. But, uh, you know, the Jets' loss still sticks with me. The fact that they got shredded by the Arizona Cardinals still sticks with me. So I'm going to go with Kansas City. Next, we have the Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers. Ben, who you got? I'll go with the Packers at home, Daryl. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think Taylor Heineke is going to show up and play well. I think that Washington defense is going to get Aaron Rodgers on the ground. But I think... Green Bay finds a way to win this one. It's going to be low scoring. I'll go Green Bay 17, Washington 14. Yeah, I see this game a tad bit differently from you. I'm going to go Green Bay 31 to Washington's 20. I think Green Bay is going to be able to light this Washington defense up. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to slice and dice him. Devontae Smith is going to score a couple touchdowns. Aaron Jones is going to get uh, things going on the ground game. I think Taylor Heineke is going to turn over the ball uh, a lot and often and get the Packers from short fields as well. So next we have the Atlanta Falcons at the Miami Dolphins. Ben, who you got? I'm going to go with uh, Miami in this one, Daryl. I think the 
are going to play well coming off of an embarrassing loss to the Jaguars. I find Flores finds a way to get these guys fired up. I think this might be one of the best games of the season for the Dolphins. I'm going to say Miami 31, Atlanta 17. I'm going to go with Atlanta, and I'll say Atlanta wins. Uh, I'll say Atlanta wins 27 to Miami's 20. Uh, just like their quarterback more. I think they're going to be able to get some uh, some scores. The Dolphins' defense has been kind of disappointing to this point in the season as well. So next we have Cincinnati at Baltimore. Ben, who you got? I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. I'll say the Ravens win 38 to the Bengals, 31. I think you are right. You are going to see a lot of points scored. And maybe the Bengals can pull one off. I mean, the Raiders did find a way to pull one off against Baltimore in week one. I'm just not ready to go there yet with the Bengals. I still feel like you need to pay your dues a little bit in this league and learn how to win a little bit more before I'm really comfortable saying that they're going to beat a team that we just saw shell, uh, uh, you know, shell shock the uh, Los Angeles Chargers uh, this past weekend. But I think this will be a pretty competitive game. Next, we have the Detroit Lions at the L.A. Rams. Now, first, Ben, I do have to ask you this. Was Jared Goff disrespected on his way out? Of LA? I think to some degree, Daryl, especially when you look at what the Rams were looking to get uh, in exchange for him and some draft picks, I just don't see Matthew Stafford as being clearly that much better than Jared Goff, if I can be honest with you. I think Matthew Stafford might have a slightly better arm. But Jared Goff can take the Rams to the Super Bowl, Daryl. In this one this weekend, though, I cannot see Jared Goff getting revenge on the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win this game pretty easily. Um, they're going to beat up on another bad team. I'll say Rams 35, Detroit 20. I'll say Rams 35 to Detroit 10. This is going to be a long day for Jared Goff and company. Next, we have Philadelphia at the Las Vegas Raiders. Ben, who you got? I'll go with Vegas here, Daryl. I liked what I saw from them last weekend. I think Derek Carr plays well again this weekend. And I'll go with the Raiders to win 21 to the Eagles 16. Yeah, this is a very interesting game. I'll go with the Eagles here, actually. Uh, and I'll go with the Eagles, and I'll say they win 21-20 to uh, in a mini-upset here. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned the, the Raiders did play well last week, but so did the Eagles. The Eagles uh, hung in there against Brady and Tampa. So, you know, uh, and the Eagles really haven't been dominated really at many points this season either. So, I'll, I'll go with Philadelphia. Now, next we have Houston at Arizona. Any chance they go to Arizona and stun the world? Uh, 
chance. None. Arizona's going to kill these guys. Not even worth watching. So this isn't for the fans. It's definitely not for the fans. <laughs> I'm going to go with Arizona to win this 38 to 0. I'll go with the Cardinals 41 to 10. I think Kyler's going to be a winner, winner, chicken dinner. He's going to be very excited. Next, we have Chicago at Tampa Bay. Ben, who you got? Now, this is an interesting game, Daryl. We know the Bears gave the Buccaneers some problems last year. But I'll tell you what, we forgot about that, and that's Tom Brady. He's going to be licking his chops to get some revenge on these guys, and I think the Buccaneers are going to put it on them this year. I think it's going to get ugly. I'll go with the Buccaneers to win 31-14. to 14. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Bucks 28 to the Bears, 14. Uh, I think it'll be competitive in the first half, but I think the Buccaneers are going to find a way to pull away uh, in the third and fourth quarter. Next, we have Indianapolis Colts at the San Francisco 49ers. Ben, who you got? I'm going to go with San Francisco here. Colts are going to keep it closer than most people think, but I'll go San Francisco 34, Indianapolis 31. And also, is, who's starting? Is it Jimmy or is it Trey? I'm going to assume it's probably Trey. Oh, well. That's a little frightening for me. Uh, I'll begrudgingly go. Well, how about this, bud? If, if Trey Lance is starting, I'm actually going to pick the Colts. Uh, I'll, I'll say the Colts when 24 to 17 of Trey Lance is starting. But if Jimmy Garoppolo starts, I would pick the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, take that for what you want. Uh, next, we have the New Orleans Saints at the Seattle Seahawks for Monday Night Football on ESPN. Ben, who you got? I'll go with the Saints in this one, Daryl. Oh. Geno Smith hasn't shown me anything after last week. I'm going to go with the Saints as well, and I'll say they won 31-20. to 20. Uh, I think they're going to dice up the Seattle defense, which, Ben, I hate to tell you, the defense has been a little suspect, just a tad bit. Tad bit. a lot suspect, I think. <laughs> yes, they have. Uh, Pete Carroll's going to have to find a, a, a second-half season uh, crisis alert like he did last year to fix the defense because that's the other thing that can, t- that can save them at this point. But I think uh, Jameis Winston, Alva Kamara, uh, they're, they're going to have a they're going to have a day. They're going to have a day against the Seattle defense. Well, not only that, I, I don't think I don't think Geno Smith can do anything. Yeah, that is true. It, it's it's going to be rough. It, it's definitely going to be rough, rough without Russell Wilson. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. They get them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk some college football. Cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports, I wish Ben Karen with us. So, Ben, 
coach, Ed Orgeron, a guy that you thought was being disrespected, it was announced that he's no longer going to be coaching LSU after very weirdly and oddly enough, after he upset Florida. How shocked were you of that news? were not happy and LSU staff was not happy with three and three but it's a weird time to announce that he would be staying until the end of the season and then leaving which in my opinion is just odd right off the get go and then to have done that after they just beat a well coached Dan Mullen Florida Gator team to me made no sense and it Quite frankly, I know the standards at LSU are really high, but Ed Orgeron has won a championship within the last three years, and I think they could have probably kept him around, Daryl. I think they're making a mistake because I don't think they can find anybody better than him to replace him. Well, I think, you know, that remains to be seen. What will you remember Ed Orgeron for the most? A monster team. You're talking about Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Uh, a lot of dudes on that team. That team, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, I think that that team was obviously super, super special. Uh, so how about this? You know, as soon as it was announced that Orgeron, he was not going to be returning to LSU, there was a lot of talk in the rumor mill, Ben. Now, I'm not trying to start anything, but I'm just you know, telling you what the people are saying, Ben. They're saying, Jimbo Fisher to LSU. When you hear that, what do you think? I'm sorry, what's the question? Jimbo Fisher to LSU. When you hear that, what do you think? Well, Darren, I'm not too concerned about Jimbo Fisher leaving Texas A&M right now. And I know there are some people out there that think he might be kind of a fickle guy after the way he left Florida State. That, hey, he might just be the kind of guy that would do something like that. But the difference here, Daryl, is he's building something in Texas A&M. He just came off of a landmark win a couple weeks back against Alabama at home on the field. And I think he's truly happy with what he's doing right now. And when you look around at what Texas A&M has to offer a coach, it's nothing to sneeze at. Texas A&M is paying him a lot of money, and I'm not sure LSU could rival that amount of money. And also, you look at how much money A&M has in, in just football infrastructure. There are professional football teams that, that may not have the facilities Daryl the Texas A&M has. About five years ago or so, it was being readily stated that A&M had a quarter of a billion dollars in their football facility. I don't think there are many teams in the country, including professional teams, that can say that. So, overall, the answer to your question, very little concern on my part. 
So, and uh, Jimbo was asked about this, and he said, I love being a Texas A&M. Uh, and he said he plans to finish out the contract. Uh, so I guess you have to take him at his word there. Though I will say, he was Nick Saban's assistant uh, at LSU, and Nick Saban won a championship. I believe it was the offensive coordinator, so maybe he wants to, you know, go back uh, and kind of finish the deal as the head coach there. But another name that was brought up, potentially about going to LSU, which I think is very interesting, one Dabo Sweeney. Uh, now, I think you could make an argument this makes sense for a lot of different perspectives. It seems like the Clemson dynasty in the ACC is failing a little bit. Uh, I think it's inarguable. I mean, we were talking about this off-air, Ben. Texas A&M to LSU, they're both really good jobs, right? But I think we can both agree that LSU is a much better job than Clemson in terms of the type of athletes that you're going to be able to recruit, the prestige of being in the SEC and the SEC West, the lineage there. And I think if they want to, they can pay as much money, if not more, than what Clemson can. So Dabo Sweeney to LSU. If LSU makes that phone call to Dabo, do you think he thinks about it at least? At this point in time, I definitely think that he has to think about it. He's not in a position right now where he has a generational talent playing quarterback like he had when Trevor Lawrence was there. So I think that's something to think about. We know the dynasty is kind of at a, at a down point right now. And I think it may be a time where he considers that. But I think it's all about what his mindset is. He's the guy that's responsible for building the Clemson football program up. And he's brought down a couple of championships. And I think he has to decide his own fate from here. Does he want to just stay at Clemson, where he's going to basically be a legend at the end of his career, and he may win some more championships there? Or does he want to go to the stacked SEC West, where he's going to have to face Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, Sam Pittman, all these guys year after year, Daryl. And I think he's going to have to decide, does he want to play against the best competition? Or does he want kind of a, an easy ride to the college football playoff every year? Well, here's what I would say to that, Ben, too, what I think is interesting. I believe sometimes in life you're in a situation where you've gotten all you can. You've maximized a certain situation. I think, right, Dabo's maximized what can be done at Clemson. From the program to its history, like, I would say he's gone above and beyond what anybody ever thought Clemson could be. I mean, what have they done? They've, they've won two championships, right? Two championships. They've been to four national finals. Uh, I mean, that's some pretty special stuff. I mean, that's probably never going to happen again in Dabo's career there. I guarantee you. I'd be shocked if, again, we're looking at in a in a span of, like, what, eight years that Clemson can say, hey, we went to the playoffs almost every year. We won two national titles. Uh we went to four national championship games. That's some pretty rare and special stuff. And I think sometimes you've accomplished as much as you can out of a certain situation. He's squeezed the rag, all the juice out of the rag. There's nothing more. So why not go to a place, you know, where there's a new challenge and something different to build upon? Well, I think there's the risk on his part of getting exposed a little bit. You know, when you're competing against Nick Saban and, and 
and some of these other guys that were good, I think it's going to be very difficult. And yes, if you if you win, you're going to get the ultimate respect, even on a higher level than what he's done at Clemson. But, you know, if you fail, you could be out of a job at Clemson. We've seen them run people out who have won national titles. Well, so, does he really want to put himself in that high-pressure, high high-stress kind of situation? But how about this, Ben? Do you think from Dabble's perspective, do you think he's worried about, do you think he, like, is worried about Saban? I think he's 2-2 two and two against Saban. I don't think Dabble's worried about Saban. I think Dabble probably thinks he's better than Saban. Well, here's the deal, Daryl. I mean, it's not just Saban, all right? You got to compete against Jimbo Fisher. You got Lane Kiffin. You got Sam Pittman. You know, Dan Mullen in the SEC. Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, you, you got a bunch of good coaches. Bob Stoop. You know, so you, see, you have to decide. Because you're not going to beat up on all these other really good coaches every single year. You're going to take some losses. I, I think Dabo, I think what Dabo believes in his heart of hearts, I think Dabo believes that he could make a program Alabama. He could do that. I think Dabble regards himself in that echelon of Nick Saban because you could you could say the same thing about Nick. Like you're not just gonna win every year, but that's what Nick does. And obviously, Nick is you know on a different level on in itself on its face, right? But I think Dabo in his heart of hearts believes it. Like I I think Dabo doesn't hold himself to the standards of let's say Jimbo Fisher, Dan Mullen, Kirby Smart, uh, Lane Kiffin. I don't think Dabo thinks any of those guys are better than them. I think if you ask Dabo, Dabo probably thinks he's the best coach in all of college football. I mean, Dabo would probably say, look what I've done. And when I've got in the playoffs, look what I've done to these teams. I blew out Ohio State. When Alabama had Tua and they were undefeated, everybody was seeing how special Alabama was with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. I had a true freshman in Trevor Lawrence, and I absolutely obliterated Alabama. I think Dabble's like, if I get in the right place, I have the right people around me, I can go with anybody, particularly Nick Saban. I don't think Dabble is thinking as if he's worried about taking losses to Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin, Dan Mullen. I don't think he's worried about that. I think he sees himself in a different tier. All I'm trying to say is it's it's a different echelon than the guys he's coaching against in the ACC. Oh, no, and and that's very true. And that's very true. But if we're going to say, like, if... I mean, would you say Dabble's the second best coach in all of college football? Based on what I see right now, I'd probably say yes. So, I mean, if he goes to LSU, I mean, if LSU's a better job than Clemson, realistically, I mean, if you're going to say in the next, let's say, six years, over or under two championships, is the over that crazy? Really? Hey, got the best coach in college football in this division. I don't think Nick's. I don't think Dabble's worried about that. I think Dabble would say I beat them already. And then you probably got at least a number of other guys in the top ten in the SEC too. I mean, you're. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be A and M in those schools, but I, I think. Right, like I, I think he probably thinks to himself that he can have have those Joe Burrow years consistently because LSU's always been able to have those magical years. But I think he he thinks to himself he can bring those years, you know, consistently. I think that's the thing. Well, he might think it all he wants, but that doesn't mean he's right. 
Oh, Ben's like, so you're not here for that, Ben. So you think that that would be crazy for Dabo to assume that he can just build a dynasty in, in the SEC? I think it's insanity. I think he can have success with a team. I think he might even be able to win a championship with LSU if he goes there. But I just don't think he's going to build a dynasty. So now I'm going to go... That's true, but Ben, when they got to the college football playoffs, they, they took out the somebody, so they were somebody. Good luck playing somebody's all year long. That, that's true as well. Uh, though I do think the recruiting would be better, so you know theoretically there's going to be more talent. But next with this, so Tennessee was fined over 250000 for fans. I think fans were throwing stuff during the old Miz game. Did you catch any of that, Ben? <laughs> no, none at all. The reports were that there were golf balls being thrown. I think Lane Kiffin got hit by a golf ball. My opinion on it is I understand you don't like Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin did your program bad. But he, but it's, a, it's an embarrassment. And it's shameful to go out and do that stuff as fans. Uh, go enjoy the game and hope Tennessee... Beats Old Miss badly. You know, go do that as opposed to making terrible decisions, and which in turn now make your school look bad. I would actually, I would completely agree with you there. So I'm going to give you this, Ben. So this is from PFF Pro Football Focus. They, they're they into stats, analytics, percentages. Okay, Ben? So they came out with uh, the highest percentages to make the college football playoffs right now. Okay, Ben? Right now. So guess who number one is? Georgia. Yes. So Georgia's number one at 88%. Guess who number two is? It is not Cincinnati. It's Oklahoma at 75%. Okay. So this is right now. So right now, 88% right now. So that means basically virtually Georgia's in at 88%, basically. Oklahoma's pretty much in. Guess who number three is? I'd say Cincinnati now. No. Number, th- number three is Alabama at 54%. Okay. So just a little over 50% chance Alabama makes it. And then there's number four. Guess who number four is? Uh, Ohio State. No, now that's Cincinnati. Cincinnati comes in. At, <laughs> and Cincinnati's at four. And Cincinnati's at 50%. So Cincinnati and Alabama are basically the same. Alabama has a, has a 4% higher chance than Cincinnati right now based off of their percentages of how they're adding it. Uh, and I would assume that's because Alabama has that feather in their cap, which is going to be Georgia in the SEC championship game. Then at number five, I'll just give you after that. So number five is Ohio State, all the way down at 43%. Number six is Pittsburgh at 18%. And number seven is Oklahoma State at 15%. These are the seven teams that, in their eyes, have a realistic chance of making it right now. How do you think of those percentages? Well, I mean, I agree with number one, obviously. That makes sense. 
that could potentially take a loss in the NBC championship and still make it. So that makes sense. I would, I would think Georgia has the best shot for sure. Then if we're going over to number two, as long as Oklahoma runs the table, Daryl, which it looks like they might now that they have Caleb Williams, uh, who's playing a little bit better for them than Spencer Rattler, that makes sense to me, too. No argument there. Alabama, all they need to do is win out from here, which I think is doable. Um, so that makes sense to me. Uh, I would obviously disagree with Cincinnati, though, Daryl, uh, big time. My biggest beef for them is that they don't play anybody. And all these other teams are going to have an opportunity, Daryl, to play a conference championship against ranked opponents. Uh, they're, they're playing a lot of competitive teams. Like, look at Ohio State coming up. They've got Penn State. They've got Michigan, Michigan State, possibly Iowa if they make the Big Ten championship. So that is four opportunities that Ohio State has to be probably top 20 teams. And Ben, I will say this, and I'll let you keep going, but what I will say is I think the way they're doing these percentages is that I think what they're saying is odds are, based off all this, that there's a better chance Cincinnati goes undefeated and makes it than... There's a better chance Cincinnati goes undefeated than Ohio State goes undefeated. So I think what they're saying is they that's why Cincinnati's at 50%, Ohio State's at 43%. I think what they're saying is Ohio State is probably going to take a loss in there while Cincinnati... Uh, is going to run the table. So I think that's why their percentages have them ahead of, let's say, an Ohio State. Why well, don't think Ohio State is going to take a loss? Oh, well, I, I mean, that's a... I would assume probably, you know, toughness of schedule. Yeah. I'm surprised Oregon is in there ahead of Pittsburgh, Daryl. Well, Pittsburgh's undefeated. Wait, so Ben, do you think that'd be more shame? Would be more shameful if Pittsburgh was in it or Cincinnati? Honestly, I'd say Pittsburgh at this point. Cincinnati at least in the South Bend and Notre Dame. Pittsburgh's gonna have a chance to beat Clemson. And the ACC, though. Ben's like... Yeah, not that, not that impressed. I'd put Oregon in if they were one loss past 12 champion ahead of both of those teams. And then Oklahoma State's at 15%. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not going to hang up in Daryl. I think Oklahoma's going to beat up on them. Well, if Oklahoma State, though, if Oklahoma State goes undefeated, you think they're in, though, right? Yeah, they're definitely in. I just don't think they can go undefeated. And I would agree with you with that. I, I think that's you know probably how it would bear itself out. And, Ben, I do also have to say this. Cincinnati's number two in the national rankings. How does that make you feel? Let me 
put it this way, Daryl, I think the Associated Press has a good sense of humor. So I'm taking that as you don't agree with their voting process. I feel that it's completely laughable because I don't think Cincinnati could beat Ohio State head to head or Alabama or Oregon. I've been always hating on the little guys. Uh, and I actually, I'll give you your moment to shine. You can laugh at me because Coastal Carolina lost, Ben. Like Pittsburgh? I like it. I think they're more deserving than Coastal Carolina. Did. Well, that's not saying too much. But, uh, so lastly, I, I want to go to this. So, here's what we're going to do, Ben. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, and then I just want to know your instant opinion when I tell you. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Okay, Ben? Okay, so at Michigan State, when Nick Saban was the head coach, his two GAs were Josh McDaniels and Adam Gase. When I say that, what do you think? Nick Saban produces good coaches. Is Adam Gase really a good coach, though? He made it to the NFL, so I'd say yes. That's fair. Georgia has nine five stars on their defense this year. Now, I'm also going to ask you this. Guess how many five stars the Pac-12 has as a whole? Eight. Nine. So when I say that, that Georgia's entire defense has as many five stars, just their defense, we're not even talking about their offense, their defense has as many five stars as the entire Pac-12. When I say that, what do you think? Say that again? Is it Georgia's year, possibly? Could this be the year they win the national championship, finally? Is their defense better than the 11 Alabama and LSU defense? I don't think so, but I guess we'll find out. And lastly, Spencer Rattler takes Oklahoma out of his Instagram bio. When I say that, what do you think? I thought he was going to be mature and stick it out, Ben. Well, we were hoping, but I can't say I blame him for going to the transfer portal. Best of luck to him. Do you think the Aggies have any room for him? I think I'm feeling pretty good about keeping Zach Calzada right now. Ben, you... <laughs> wow, Ben. We were moving up in the world a month ago. You were saying the guy couldn't fill the football, and now you're like, hey, I kind of like the guy. I told you if he could beat Alabama, I'd give him the tip of my cap, man, and that's what happened, so I'm sticking to my word. So Zach Kilzada is out of the Ben Karen doghouse. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break, and then kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get into our college football predictions. Kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. 
high school to four straight state championship game appearances. Very few high major recruiters looked at the six foot tall, 180 pounder and said, quarterback. Go it on a dime, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwood, I'm wearing number nine. Now Coach Franklin down at Vandy. Oh, we're back with Bob Sports Club. We still have Ben and Karen with us. And now it's time for week eight college football predictions. Number two, Cincinnati at Navy. Who you got, Ben? Uh, Cincinnati's going to run the table in this one, Daryl. Desmond Ritter is probably going to be one of the best players in the field. I'll go with Cincinnati to win, win this one fairly easily. I'll say 38 to 10. I'll say 42 to 10. Next, we have number three, Oklahoma at Kansas. Yeah, Oklahoma's going to blow the doors off these guys. It's going to be about 42 to 3. Uh, no reason to watch this. I'll go with Oklahoma as well, and I'll say they win 60 to 21. Next, we have Northwestern at number six, Michigan. I'll go with Michigan 23 to 20. Next, we have Illinois at number seven, Penn State. Uh, Sean Cooper and Penn State, they're going to win this. I'm going to say they win 41 to 21. I'll go with Penn State 34 to 13. Next, we have number 16, Wake Forest at Army. I'll go with Army getting the upset, and I'll say they win 27-24. to 24. Next, we have Wisconsin at number 25, Purdue. I'll go with the Badgers in this one, Daryl. I think it's going to be kind of an uglier game. I'll go Badgers 17, Purdue 13. I'll go Purdue 19, Wisconsin 17. Like, uh, I agree with you. going to be a physical meat and potatoes, run the football type of game. Next, we have number eight, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. I'm picking the upset here. I like Iowa State to upset Oklahoma State 33-30. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State's. 31 to Iowa State, 24. Next, we have number 10, Oregon at UCLA. I think Oregon's going to perform well in this game. I think they give UCLA a third loss of the year. I'll say Oregon, 30, UCLA, 26. I'm going to say Chip Kelly gets some revenge here. I'm going to say UCLA 40 to Oregon's 34. Next, we have LSU at number 12, Ole Miss. I think Ed Orgeron's going to keep it moving, Daryl. Another big win for LSU. I'll go LSU 42, Ole Miss 38. I'm going to go with Ole Miss 34 to LSU 
29. Next, we have Clemson at number 23, Pittsburgh. I think Clemson finds a way to win this one. Dabo Sweeney, clearly the better coach. I'll go Clemson 24, Pittsburgh 14. I'm going to go Clemson 21 to Pittsburgh 20. I think this is going to be a really close competitive football game. Next, we have Tennessee at number four, Alabama. Are we going to see an upset? No, we are not. Alabama is going to beat these guys badly. It's going to be about 52 to 18. You know what, Ben? I think I'm kind of feeling it right now. A&M did it. Why not Tennessee? Well, listen, Ben, Tennessee almost beat Pep at the beginning of the year now. I guess that's not very inspiring for Ben Karen, so I guess I'm going to have to go with Alabama. But I'll say this is closer than people think. I'll say Alabama 42, Tennessee's 29. Next, we have number five, Ohio State at Indiana. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than you think. This game was fairly competitive last year. I'm going to say Ohio State 35 to Indiana's 28. Next, we have USC at number 13, Notre Dame. I'll go with USC, Daryl. USC going to win this one 34-28. Ben, I've noticed you keep picking Notre Dame to lose every week. <laughs> when will you start picking Notre Dame again? Maybe next season. <laughs> so for the rest of the season, Ben is out on the Irish. You're out, Ben? I'm out. Okay, I'm going to go at Notre Dame, and I'll say they win 27-20. to 20. South Carolina at number 17, Texas A&M. I'm going to go with South Carolina 14 to Texas A&M's 12. I'm not sold on Zach Calzada, Ben. I think, you know, a dead clock is right twice a day, so I don't think we should be holding the Alabama thing as the end-all, be-all with him as a quarterback and a football player. Next, we have number 18, NC State at Miami. And I'm going to go with Miami, and I'll say Miami wins 34 to NC State's 30. And that's all we have for Week 8 of College Football Predictions. Ben, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, Daryl. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen for coming on the podcast. Always appreciate it when Ben can come on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode the 346th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
Ice on my neck, yeah, right team, right team, never regret, yeah, my team, my team, I can't forget.